This is episode 59 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode 59 of Ethics and Culture Cast from Notre Dame's DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, the communications specialist at the center. In this episode, we chat with Christina Bambrick, assistant professor of political science at Notre Dame. We chat about her scholarly work in comparative constitutionalism, what it means to have horizontal rights and duties toward one another, and three things that everyone should know about the U.S. Constitution. Let's sit down in the Marion Short Ethics Library for this marvelous conversation. Well, Christina Bambrick, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Ken. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you do your studies? Those sorts of things. Sure. I'm originally from Southern California, and I actually went to um, a high school called Notre Dame High School. So my husband and I like to joke that we've come full circle and ending up here. We actually met in high school. And then from there, I went to Scripps College, which is one of the Claremont Colleges in Southern California. I majored in philosophy and legal studies. And in many ways, my undergraduate years really put me on track to to where I am now, um, what I'm studying now. I was challenged in my faith in a lot of ways. Um, Honestly, even just in studying some of the modern philosophers, it forces you to take on these really um, intense epistemological questions. How can we know anything? And in a lot of ways, that forced me to reckon with some of these difficult questions and take ownership of my faith early on. And um, it was also an undergraduate that I first encountered natural law theory, which as I think it was my junior year, I took a course on it. And in a lot of ways, I felt like it was a missing puzzle piece. It made sense of so many questions that I had had about faith and politics before. And so from there, from Scripps, I went on to University of Texas at Austin for my graduate work. I studied with a professor who's actually a friend of one of my undergraduate professors, so it really was a perfect segue. And I also worked a bit with Jay Budrzewski, who's a natural law theorist. And um, yeah, the rest is history. I, I spent a year at Clemson University, which was wonderful. And when the job here at Notre Dame opened up, it was just too good to pass up. This really is my dream school to, to work at. Awesome. What did you, uh, what was the subject of your dissertation? I work in general on comparative constitutions. So looking, it's definitely studying the United States, but putting it in conversation with other countries And so for the dissertation, I was interested in what are known as horizontal rights. So typically, rights create obligations of the state. So it's the government that's responsible for the freedom of speech. Or in other countries, you might say the government is responsible for protecting a right to health. Uh, But more and more, we're seeing rights applied horizontally. So now they might create obligations for private actors as well, businesses, hospitals, private schools, even private individuals. And so I was interested in this question in some of the theoretical um, issues that it may raise about rights and freedom and um, duties. And so I looked at this question in the context of the U.S., India, Germany, South Africa, and the European Union. Okay. 
And so this is also now the manuscript that you're working on, kind of fleshing it out for Correct. publication? Exactly. Yeah, I'm in the process of making revisions and hopefully we'll be submitting to publishers before too long. You know, you talk about this horizontal rights applying to private actors, mm -hmm. right, which include individuals. Correct. So I hear that. I start to think about the idea of like civic virtue. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there are really two main um, concerns or questions that inspired me to take on this topic, and they sit in somewhat tension with each other. On the one hand, it's um, this kind of absence of language about virtue and duty that we have in modern contexts. Um, I've been very inspired by Marion Glendon's work on this. And so it seems that this um, introduction of horizontal rights could be a way to fill in that gap. But on the other hand, you know, we have important questions and debates over liberty, you know, maybe religious liberty today, which definitely um, show us the importance of maintaining some private sphere. And so that can in some ways um, be implicated by this question of horizontal rights, too. So it's these two um, big concerns that have motivated me to take on the question. Wonderful. How did you get connected with Notre Dame? Well, funny enough, um, my first introduction to the university was in 2017 when, on a whim, I applied for the DeNicola Center's fall conference. And I had my um, proposal accepted, and I came, and it was just – I was completely taken aback by the, the marriage of – the intellectual life and, and faith here, it's really, um, I haven't encountered anything like it anywhere else. So, you know, Notre Dame since then was kind of a goal. I should say, too, my husband is a huge Notre Dame football fan, so <laughs> that didn't hurt either. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, when, when I had the opportunity actually to join the faculty, it was a dream come true. What uh, what do you teach then? You've been here for a year, and we're we're beginning year two. Yes. What uh, what classes do you teach, and what are your students like? Sure. Um, I've taught two freshman seminars so far, and they were on um, the subject of rights in general. I really hope to give the students an opportunity to consider maybe some preconceptions that they have about rights. So there's this reflux that we often have, and I think maybe Americans in particular, to say, you know, it's in the Constitution, so it's my right. You know, you can't limit it. And so I really um, draw on texts from political theory, but also constitutional law to push back a little bit and let students really think about, okay, well, what justifies rights? Are there instances in which they should be limited? Um, you know, what is the foundation for rights? Is it, you know, this legal positivism or is there a natural law basis that we should be acknowledging more? Um, so that's what I've taught so far. And the students have been phenomenal. Um, Notre Dame students live up to their reputation. It's been a real joy to teach them. And then next semester, I'm hoping to develop my class on comparative constitutionalism. That really is the dream course. It's, I think, why um, I was invited to teach here, just because it's not it's not taught as often as, say, American constitutionalism. So um, that's on the docket. I think probably it will be a junior or senior seminar. Okay. So when I think political science, I think you're going to tell me who's going to win an election, right? <laughs> but... Then there's political theory, and I know others. We've had other um, political scientists with us who, you know, delve deeply into Plato and Aristotle, mm -hmm. and you've you've mentioned Aristotle as well. Tell me about the the entire field, and then where you slot into that. Sure, um, that's a great question, and it is funny because whenever I've told people I'm in a political science department or I'm in a political I'm a political scientist, they always expect that I will have all the answers to our current problems and that I'll be able to predict who's winning the next election. Which, I mean, maybe some people have more insight into that than I do, but I, I certainly don't. Um, in general, political science 
is um, the study of politics, usually from a behavioral or an institutional perspective. So those are kind of two big camps. And, um, you know, with political behavior, you might be studying, you know, voting behavior or those sorts of things. Um, with institutions, uh, you often look at, you know, the, the big institutions, Congress, the presidency, um, the courts, or maybe even in so-called informal constitutions that aren't necessarily um, – they don't appear in the constitution. So maybe political parties as an example or uh, media is also considered an informal institution. So political theory is, I, I think – just as important a part of political science. Um, And there are different branches. So there's, say, the history of political thought, which does undertake study of the the sorts of philosophers you mentioned, you know, from Plato all the way to, you know, modern philosophers like um, Hannah Arendt and John Rawls, and even, you know, contemporaries. And oftentimes, not necessarily in all cases in political theory, but oftentimes it undertakes uh, more normative questions too, say about justice and um, what is the purpose of law? What are the limits of law? And so um, arguably, I I would say at least that these questions are so fundamental that they actually, they, they do belong in political science just as much as the other areas of study that I mentioned. Let's go back to this idea of rights and duties toward one another reminds me kind of of, of the theme of our fall conference that we did. Well, I should say our winter conference that we did um, referenced a quote from St. Teresa of Calcutta with the title, We Belong to Each Other. Now, you approach the concept of duties toward one another from your field of political science, mm-hmm. political theory. But is there an underlying relationship between constitutional theory and the experience of living faith in in your scholarship. Absolutely. Um, As I mentioned in describing what has motivated me in my my book manuscript, it it really is these big questions of, you know, rectifying injustice in private spaces on the one hand, but also ensuring a certain sphere of, um, you know, private space in which people can go about you know, their free exercise of religion, just as an example. Um, and so it really is these deeper questions and concerns that have motivated me in my research. And I think in in my future work, I may want to explore more explicitly how these issues do relate to, say, Catholic social thought, for example. Um, I haven't given it much thought, but that very well could be a next project for me. Sure. So you, you've been at secular schools correct? Until, until this point. I can honestly say that I wouldn't even be thinking that this could be a potential project unless I were here. So it really is, it really is a blessing to be at Notre Dame. And it, I would say being at a Catholic school or religious school in general has the potential to open up um, scholars to be able to undertake more questions than they might otherwise. So yeah. absolutely. Now, you're in political science, and there's right. a brand new center right. uh, founded, kind of established this year by uh, by our, our good friend and colleague, Philip Munoz. Are you connected with that center as well? I am, yes. I teach in the center, so um, my courses count toward the constitutional studies minor, and my office is actually housed in the center, so I'm interacting with the um, other faculty and staff all the time, and it's, it's really great. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for our students and um, – it's we're barely at the beginning, so we'll see we'll see what's in store. Well, other than finishing your manuscript and getting that together to be published, what comes next? Uh, what else are you working on? Yeah, um, let's see. 
mostly article manuscripts right now. I am polishing up a paper on virtues and thinking about what kind of virtues we need in liberal society. Um, You know, that small L classical liberal um, society. And then um, I have a co-author who is collaborating with me on a paper on horizontal rights, this this subject that we were talking about before of um, private duties, and looking at it from a more quantitative empirical perspective. I don't do that kind of work, but that's what she brings to the table. And the, the main question there is what motivates constitution makers to include these new private duties in the first place in constitutions? So I think that has the potential to, to give us some more insight about, um, you know, what is what is the motivation for this, but also what is the potential for including these kinds of um, new constitutional rights, so to speak. And then from there, a new book. Um, I, I have toyed with the idea of um, exploring questions of, say, customary law or personal law in other countries, which we have faculty here already working on. Amelia Powell, I think, does um, Islamic law, for example. But that's it feels very far in the future. So we'll see what actually happens. Awesome. When students come into your classroom for the first time, you know, kind of looking at the Constitution formally, what are things that that they need to know or, or what do you want them to take away? We do a we do a series of faculty seminars here for our Soren Fellows we did last year. It was like John O'Callaghan did the three things you need to know about St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, that one must have been good. So it, it is. It's, it's very good. <laughs> I highly recommend. Um, so what are three things that students should know about the United States Constitution? So the first I would say – is to pay a little bit more attention to Hamilton's essay in Federalist 84, which basically argues that a Bill of Rights isn't necessary um, for freedom for the protection of rights. And it's not to say, I wouldn't go so far as to say that we should get rid of the Bill of Rights, but it's just to say that I think, and this ties back to what I was telling you before about the class that I teach, I think that we can afford to have a a bit more nuance in the way that we think about rights and how it relates to duties. And so um, Hamilton's argument there gives us a bit more context to understand that. So that would be the first. The second is somewhat related, actually, and that is thinking about the role of the courts and how our understanding of the courts has evolved, even in, say, the last hundred years. Um, The courts played a much smaller role in day-to-day governance um, in the states. And, of course, as as with everything, this this is mixed. You know, on the one hand, the reason the courts do play a bigger role now is a arguably a direct result of, you know, our our history and coming out of, you know, that history of racial inequality and, and slavery and segregation. And so it's not to say that it's a bad thing. However, um, we're in a time now where there are lots of political questions that end up in the courts. And I don't know that that always is for the best. Um, so I'm not the first person to argue this. There are books coming out all the time. Arguably, Marianne Glendon's book makes this point, and um, a recent Columbia law professor has made this point really well. But that would, I think, be be my second point. And again, maybe my third is also related to all of this, and that is the important role that representative institutions play. Um, it's sometimes easy to forget about Congress when we spend so much time thinking about presidential elections, for example, or when presidential elections are decided on the basis of, you know, who will be able to nominate the next Supreme Court justices. But I think if we go back to basics and remember 
what the architecture of the Constitution was actually intended to be. Um, you know, it was about representation and the people's will being channeled through those representatives. So I think a greater appreciation for that and a willingness to hold representatives accountable to actually do their jobs could could go a long way. And I should say, too, that that's at all levels. Um, not only do we tend to focus on, say, presidential elections, but we also have, I think, a problem of focusing on national politics. But there's so much we can do at the state level, at local levels, and that definitely is overlooked. And that actually returning to the focus on Republicans. Exactly. As it, in, in the small R sense. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. That's... I mean, there are a lot of things to think about. Where can people read some of your stuff? Well, um, I have a personal website, but I also have a profile on Notre Dame's website. So that links to my publications. And um, hopefully you'll be able to read my book in print before too long. Well, Christina Bambrick, welcome to Notre Dame. Thanks, Ken. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you to Professor Christina Bambrick. In the show notes, you'll find a link to learn more about her work in the Department of Political Science on her faculty page. Subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast so that you can always get the latest episodes by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. We would love your feedback. Please review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts and email your suggestions to cecpodcast at nd.edu. Our theme music is I Don't Know by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions. <laughs>